0: what's going on everybody welcome to the wrestling heroes and insiders podcast aka the whip show we're here on this very beautiful friday but it's a lot going on in the world that we have to talk about so it might be beautiful outside but uh it's a little topsy-turvy in the world so right now i got my co-host my guy the uh curator of championship material the word heavyweight <laughs> champion, Mr. Joe <laughs> Walker. How you doing today, sir?
1: I'm, I'm doing all right. How about you, Whip? Good to see your face as always, my brother.
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. But on this episode, because we got to talk about something kind of serious, I brought on former WWE staffer, current author, Brian R. Solomon. How you doing today, man?
2: Doing really well. Happy to be here. Thanks for asking me to come back.
0: Oh, definitely, man. We had a ball with you a while before, and guys, also, like I said, he's an author. Could you tell them what your book is so they can go out and get it?
2: Sure. Well, the the last wrestling book is called Blood and Fire, the Unbelievable Real-Life Story of Wrestling's Original Sheik, about the Sheik Ed Farhat. I also have another book that came out since then. It's not wrestling, but it's comic books. There's a lot of overlap there. It's called Superheroes, the History of a Pop Culture Phenomenon from Ant-Man to Zorro. So right now, mm. I have I actually have two new books out, yeah.
0: Nice, man. Now, uh, also, make sure you join his Facebook group, Shut Up and Wrestle. They're always having a great time in there, man, <laughs> always.
2: Yeah, I just, I, I try to keep it interesting. Different guests every week, so the topics we talk about could be completely different from week to week.
0: Awesome, man. And by the way, I got to tell you real quick before we get into this, you and Joe have a connection. You're talking about Ed Farhat who is originally the Sheik from the Lansing, Michigan area. I yep. know you have a connection to Lansing. Joe's actually a MC and host, like the number one host in Lansing. <laughs> oh,
2: man. Uh, uh, number one, but uh, I'll take whatever rank I get. <laughs> I didn't know that. I came out there twice last year, actually. I came out in April uh, to, get, to get an award from the Library of Michigan. And then I was back in awesome. May doing like a library tour and some of the towns around the Lansing area. So, yeah, I got to, I'd never been there before. I uh, I think, I, well, for WWE, I was there a couple times, but that was a long time ago.
0: That's what's mm-hmm. up, man. Well, speaking of WWE, we're going to get right into it. As it. you know, there's a lot going on with these allegations. Now, I know they kind of been able to put a blanket over it because of some of the things going on on TV with Rock and Roman Reigns. But just by doing that, putting tape on it, does not make the things go away, as you know, Brian.
2: Yeah, not only that, but uh it's o- honestly, it's only gonna get worse in terms of they're gonna have to be doing a lot of these press conferences, I feel like, because you know, last night was really like, hey, hey, look over here, look over here, don't look over there. Because now there's there's more. There's you know, John Laurenidas is speaking up, he's fighting back. There was a new document even this morning on Vice. Related to the Ashley Mazzaro lawsuit, yes. like even more specific claims that she made in there, and I just I feel like now the the difference is now the media outside the wrestling media, the media is really interested. They're really like for years and years and years, Vince and other people there you're able to get by because nobody cares about wrestling. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like in mainstream media, it does not care. It's just like, even when, when the Benoit thing happened, it was this crazy thing of like trying to convince people this is important. Okay. This guy just killed his family. And it was this weird thing. Like, ah, it's just wrestling. But I feel like now they're really sniffing around and they're going to find more and more and more of this stuff. That's very true.
0: Cause even when, I, you know, I do mainstream regular radio as well. And when I brought it up when Vince had his first situation last year, um, the kind of, the guys on the show were like, what are you talking about? They just thought it was a storyline. Mm-hmm. Like, they still didn't believe it was as serious as it is. But like you said, now it was catching traction, man. Um, with that being said, first things first, you brought up Ashley Mazzaro. That came out many years ago, the situation about her um, possibly getting uh, assaulted. Uh, raped out there in saudi arabia did you remember were you still with the company when you heard that or were you already out of the
2: company i was with the company when it was supposed to have happened okay i had no awareness of it i really didn't um i did know in fact when she left the following year i I was already gone by that point um and there's some she mentioned somebody else too that it not that the rape happened to but that there was another diva like her who was being harassed by Vince to the point of leaving the company while she was there. That's mentioned in the vice statement. Um, The name is redacted. I'm pretty sure who it is, but I'm going to, I'm not going to, you know, be the one to reveal it, but it makes sense with the timelines and things of, you know, what it is. Uh, And again, without naming any names, people who watch wrestling really closely, you can put two and two together. Like it's very often the case over the last like 20 years or whatever, if you see a female talent that's really getting over or who has a lot of potential or is really attractive or talented or whatever, and that person just mysteriously goes away or gets buried and you wonder, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so, like it's very possible that this is what happened, right. you know, that that they were like, you're not going anywhere near me, old man. And that was the end of their career. You know, I, I think that probably happened more often than we know. Mm.
0: Now, real quick, Brian, if I didn't say it before, because you let people know what department were you in in the WWE?
2: I was in the publications department, which doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, I was working on the magazines. A lot of us grew up with maybe WWE magazine, WWF magazine, Raw magazine, SmackDown magazine was actually I actually launched that magazine. So that was but I did a lot of other things. I wrote for the website a lot for WWE.com and but but mainly magazines. Like that was my full time staff job.
0: Okay, now working in the magazine department, I have another friend, a couple of them that work in administrative. Now, they said, I guess they had a building that was like off-site as well. Is that correct?
2: Um, Well, in Stanford, there's the cor- – well, there was the corporate office everybody knows as Titan Tower, twelve forty one East Main Street. And there also has been the TV studio. I'm not sure if that would what they meant. Right. That's 120 Hamilton Avenue. And actually, they used that TV studio even longer than they've had Titan Towers because they used to have – their corporate office downtown in Stanford in a different location. But that TV studio they've been using since the 80s, and now I understand that this new campus thing they have in downtown Stanford with multiple buildings, it's combining everybody together. So there's not going to be any separate locations anymore, at least not in Stanford. But I guess that must be the building you're thinking of, the TV studio, right? Yeah, because he
0: he works in like the editing of the DVDs and things of that. That that. would be
2: the TV studio.
0: Now, he brought up the fact that Vince, every blue moon would come through there, but he didn't have a lot of direct interaction
2: with him. What about you? Did you have a lot of direct interaction in your department? Not all the time, not direct. No. In fact, I think the entire seven years that I've been there, I think maybe that I was there, maybe once or twice did I actually see him walk into our area, into our department. Um, The main reason, though, that he did that was that we worked for Shane. So, like, he was going to visit Shane. So we were always around Shane. I mean, I worked for him for a nice portion of the time that I worked there. I was reporting directly to him. So because of that, though, I would be around Vince at times, but not as a regular part of my job. Like I was in some boardroom meetings that he led. I was. I did get to interview him twice, long interviews, once in his office and once in his limo, um, going from the TV from the ad sales office in Manhattan. To the tower in stanford so i did over the years spend some time around him but it wasn't like a regular occurrence right right understandable now i know we've always heard that vince
0: can be a different dude you know what i mean just his energy was you know a little bit different but i actually saw you post the other day you were talking about it in shut up and wrestle shane mcmahon's energy was almost totally different than Vince, would you agree or disagree yes. with that
2: Yeah. And I think that that's why uh, they had, and you know, I mean, I know this is family stuff and whatever, but I don't think this is anything that I'm breaking new ground on. I mean, they had a tense relationship from what I saw. And part of it was they were very different people. You know, Shane was a very nice guy, you know? I mean, yeah, he's a celebrity and celebrities are always going to be weird and act weird and say, and do weird stuff. or like not, not be able to relate to everyday people. Like there was definitely some of that, but um, You could tell he had a good heart. He liked to kind of hang out and talk. And like, you know, I remember there were times like when he had his kid, I even invited them to come. They couldn't make it. But like to my kid's birthday party and things like that, like I would never think of inviting Vince to my kid's birthday party. So but I think that that was the thing is, he could also be at the time that I was there. He could be challenging to work for. But it was very clear to me that this was stuff that was coming from Vince. He was under a lot of pressure. You could tell that that he was trying to make Vince happy. You could tell that there would be times where very much the reaction. He wouldn't say this, but you could tell it was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to like, what's my dad going to say about this? Like that kind of thing. There was pressure there. And I would hear stories from working there of them kind of locking horns and Vince kind of embarrassing him or yelling at him or kind of being nasty to him or try. What he would do is like trying to get him to be more like him. Because wow. there would be a lot of that. Like, some one thing you'd hear a lot is that Shane was really nice to his employees. And he liked to be, to hang out with the talent and be friendly with them. And that he was getting pressure from Vince to be less nice. I mean, for exactly that. Like, to not be as familiar and nice to the people who work for you. Like, to create that distance, to be more aloof, to be a little more, like, stern. And you would see him, especially as he got a little older, trying to be more of that but it just wasn't who he was and i think that that's why he eventually wound up walking in 2010 wow okay okay now joe feel free to jump in anytime
0: joe
1: i know you got some stuff for him too
2: i have just been enjoying listening
1: (laughs) um to everything that's being said uh brian i really appreciate you sharing stuff um i want for people who are listening now who will listen later to understand the value of having someone that has inside information, who have some, not inside information, someone who has inside experience, mm-hmm. who is willing to share these things. Because I know for you, it's probably not the easiest thing to do. And sometimes in some instances, it can be very uncomfortable, considering the, the, the subject matter that we're talking about right now. And you were there and you got to see, you got to look in their eyes. That's different than what we're what most of us will ever be able to do. You got to look them in the eyes. So the fact that you have those interactions with Shane, you have those interactions with Vince, there's things that you can that you can recall from that past that maybe meant not as much to you then, but maybe they mean more to you now because you maybe understand their character more. You're like, ah, now I understand the looks. That type of stuff. And that stuff is valuable. So I just want to let you know that I appreciate it.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. Uh, I remember like for one of those interviews I did when we were, in the limo, you know, it took forever because of traffic on I-95 and like I ran out of questions. So we just started talking just about whatever. And, you know, you I would hear him talk about his family, talk about his dad, talk about Shane and Stephanie and Linda, like in all these kind of like candid ways, talk about Shane as a kid. Think like directly from him, just me and him sitting in, in the back of a limo. You know, it's like that's an experience that I fully understand you know, 99.9% of people don't get to have. And I even understood that in the moment. Like there would be, I remember being there with him and he's like on his cell phone, like talking to the creative team about this and that and what they need to do. And I'm just going like, man, there's people on the internet that would cut their arm off to be sitting here where I am (laughs) listening to this right now. And I knew it at the time too, but I definitely over time you appreciate it more. Yeah. Very much. I just
0: definitely understand that. Now I want to shift gears just a little bit. We talked about Vince. We talked a little bit about Shane. But John Laronitis, um, I got to – the face you made, and for people <laughs> watching the video already saw that. If you're going to uh-huh. be listening to the audio, you might want to watch the video as well. Um, one thing about John Laurinaitis, I got to meet the guy one time. I did have a tryout myself uh, back when uh-huh. they were OVW. So I got to meet him. Um, but he was talking about – he just seemed like a, a, a different guy as well. But I noticed one thing with some of the allegations coming out. A lot of the talent have been very adamant about, well, I know John Laronitis did some ish. You know what I mean? Like, they're, whereas they're kind of 50-50 about saying with Vince, they're kind of like, well, is a legend. And obviously, everything is a legend. Well, they right?
2: probably feel safer to say it about yeah. John than about Vince. Let's be <laughs> honest. Like, John doesn't ha- you know, never had the kind of power that Vince did, but Like what I remember of him, first of all, he came over. A lot of people may know he came over from WCW. That's how they got him on the buyout. He was an executive there. I was there when this happened. He essentially, I mean, not put too fine a point on it. He essentially pushed Jim Ross out as head of talent relations. That's been reported on before. And it was night and day. Like, um, you know, and I've said this to JR himself when he had me on his show and he did not contradict me. Uh, when JR had a great approach to talent, and JR wasn't just respected by the talent, he was loved by the talent. He got a lot of people their spots, he really understood wrestling and what was needed. And he was also very nurturing of the women's division. When he was really in power, there is when you would see the rise of Trish and Lita and Victoria and Jackie and coming out of the Sable and, and um, Sunny stuff where. The women were really coming along. And when when John Laurinaitis came in, it really changed. That was the era where it really started leaning heavily into the cheesecake stuff again, where uh, it was just all about bra and panties. And you saw, like, the most infamous thing, and I know I'm not the first one to say this either, but, like, there was the story about Kelly Kelly where... He basically was looking through a Venus swimwear catalog, and he saw a model in the catalog, and he said, get me that girl. I want her to wrestle here, and that was Kelly wow. Kelly, and that's how she got hired. So, like, it was a very different approach to talent, but I, what I do know is I would also hear things about how, you know, people kind of feared him in a way. Like, he could be intimidating, and, you know, at the time, you think, like, oh, that's not so bad. Like, you kind of need that, you know, somebody that's going to, like – you know, that's really going to crack the whip and not, you know, not take any shit back there and everything. Like, I remember hearing stories like that of like, you know, young wrestlers that would really be, oh, my God, we don't want John to find out about this and blah, blah, blah. But then later when you hear a lot of this other stuff, it kind of puts a different spin on things. And you wonder, like, how much of that was just like a reign of terror. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: J.R. was not, you know, it was a totally different vibe with Jr.
0: Everybody says that, man. But like I said, Teddy Long was just on his podcast. And see. Teddy Long, has not, did you see, he has nothing yep. nice to say about Laronitis at nothing. all. Uh, he's truly in the camp that everything they say about Johnny is true.
1: Yeah, That's what he said. That's <laughs> what yeah. I was word
0: for word. With that being said, you brought up the Braun panties matches and different things that they uh. did kind of during that attitude era um, for those ladies. So that pretty much was John Laronitis. I, I assume Vince Russo has something to do with that as well. Well, well, Russo like,
2: was long gone by then well, but already, like okay. yeah yeah cuz like uh Russo left in 99 and JR had JR I think was in charge of talent relations I want to say from like maybe 97 or so okay or maybe even 6 cuz I think he got the Rock his deal so maybe 96 um but Laura came in in like 02 and that's when a lot of that started oh, yeah. to change. So this was like a di- like a later phase. It wasn't really, I'm not talking about like the Sonny and Sable stuff. I'm talking yeah. about more like what they would do with like Stacey Keebler and Kelly Kelly and all the diva search girls and all that stuff that they would have them do on TV, which we'd be cringing about even at the time. Like they were trying to turn it into like Jerry Springer. Right. And, and I think a, a lot of that was the Laurinaitis influence, I think.
0: And that's what I want to kind of construct here. So with that being said, during that time, do you remember a lot of the ladies uh, giving a lot of kickback or like trying to push back? Like, I don't know, man. Why do we have to always be in our bra panties <laughs> every week? Or were the, were the ladies kind of, eh, well, whatever happens to get over?
2: Well, you know, I, I wasn't on the road enough at the time okay. to really know. I would go out on the road every now and then every few months. I'd go on like a TV loop. But you'd still hear things like I like now things are coming out. Like I saw something recently where Tori Wilson said something yeah. to that effect that she was uncomfortable about things. I think Maria Canellis has gone on record over the years, even before this, of how she was being she was made to feel uncomfortable. And I do remember with her how at the time that she was there, I think she was very conflicted about things. But, um, you know, I didn't really hear too much like that because I just wasn't on the road enough.
1: OK, OK, OK. No. You know what? I didn't have a place in media back then to where I could have said something and anybody would have cared or if it would have you know, been published in places where more people could have seen it and dialogue about it. But I remember having private conversations with friends of mine who watch professional professional wrestling like I do and watching those bra and panty matches in the mud wrestling matches and, and all that type of stuff. And I would say to them, even when the women would come out and they would be smiling and taking their clothes off i'm like they don't want to do this and they're like what you mean i'm like look in their eyes hmm. you can see it in their eyes the ones who the ones who were enjoying the the exhibition of it all and then the ones who came out there were doing it but in their eyes you can see they were uncomfortable like why is it this
2: Especially when you think about how it is now where, uh, you know, in the age of NXT, for example, you hear about all these young girls who just like the young boys, right? They, they grew up as fans and they have this dream, like they really want to be wrestlers and they really lean into the wrestler part of it. Like, You didn't really hear that at the time because that wasn't really what they were cultivating. They were just looking for models. They were looking for... They weren't looking for people. Like, most of those women were not wrestling fans. They knew nothing about it. And that's... Whatever. There's nothing... They just didn't. And, like, for example, even Trish herself was the exception to the rule. They brought her in because she was a hot fitness model. Like, that's all they cared about. And she turned into one of the best female workers the company ever had period like was that's what she wanted to do she loved it she took to it she was athletic and she did it but she was the exception
0: for sure for sure man now we've also heard that they're trying to pretty much scrub Brock Lesnar from history in WWE what do you think about that man? because keep in mind these are still quote-unquote allegations but obviously they're corporate now they can't have any of these issues But what do you think about scrubbing somebody that's such a prominent figure in WWE history?
2: They're going to go down a slippery slope with that. I understand with the Benoit stuff, you know, he was a a murderer and all this stuff. Uh, And also, it's one person. But if you start going down this road, um, they, they might as well just throw out the whole library. You know, I've said that to other people, like just show Bob Backlund matches. Or or not even matches because he'd be in there with someone else just like Bob Backlund workouts. Like, that's about it. (laughs) Uh, Because um, I hate to break it to people, but like this is stuff like what Brock is accused of, which is essentially just being like roped into this thing and sending some nasty texts and things is nothing compared to like what half the. I mean, I can show you like a house show at Madison Square Garden in like 1991 and half the people on there should probably have been in jail. You know what I mean? So I'm not even exaggerating. So like if you really want to go down that road, I, like I that's why I don't advocate for that. I understand you, you can get away from people like that moving forward. You don't have to constantly reference them. You don't have to like really play them up or glorify them. But you don't want to touch that video library number 1. And also, if you need to make reference to them for a reason or whatever, you shouldn't be afraid to be able to do that. Like we should be able to say you know, well, how did Roman Reigns become the undisputed champion? I don't know, just magically. I guess just something magic happened, and he didn't beat anybody. We don't know who that is. You know, that's stupid. That's exactly. stupid to me. Like, there's a way to distance yourself without pretending somebody never existed. I mean, Jimmy right. Snooker killed somebody, you know. Uh, we just found out the, yesterday morning that, that Billy Jack Haynes yeah. killed his wife, it looks like. I mean, we're, we're going to have to start erasing matches from the library if we do that stuff. I mean, Dick Murdoch was a member of the KKK. I mean, how many, how many people are we going to, like, erase from history? These are really unsavory uh, people, a lot of them. They just are. And it's like we're kind of stuck with it. Like, this is wrestling. I don't know how right. else to put it. Like, there's very, very few really pure, wonderful. Like, there's Bruno. There's Bob Backlund. There's, like, I don't know who right. else. I don't even know who else there is besides those two guys. It's a dirty, dirty business. And and that is my fear. Um, What about yeah, Hulk Hogan? I, For God's sake, I'm right, sorry to right. interrupt you. No, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you, but like that, I just thought of that because like they're going through this whole thing of we got to distance ourselves from this guy. This person did this. This person did that. And the top of the hour at the Royal Rumble, it's <laughs> Hulk Hogan talking. And I'm like, did we forget about, about this? I mean, now, now it's Hulk Hogan. He's great. And look, I, like I said, I'm not in favor of erasing people from existence, but it doesn't mean you just have to pretend that nothing ever happened either. Right. Like there's gotta be an in-between somewhere, you know? Anyway, sorry. I, I agree. It, it's
1: also, it comes down to discerning. So yes. um, are we going to Are they gonna condemn people for every act forever? Right. Or can someone uh you know own up to their actions and you know, uh, honestly, genuinely, you know, show remorse, and you yes. be for, you be forgiving. I agree. Give them another chance. And I mean, Hulk Hogan has done some deplorable things. We can't get past that. But if you look past what he did in the ring and just his his personality in the business, he's an elder statesman,
2: mm-hmm. and he's
1: one of those guys that young people from a performance standpoint can learn from if they're just looking at what he did as a performer, I but this, this, what but he this did in his personal own- life and on the outside. Is that, is that forgivable for some people? It is. And some people it isn't,
2: but I'm a, yeah, like, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of the fact that there should be a way back for some people, depending right. on what they did wrong. Like even, even somebody like a Ric Flair, we hear about, like I always talk about, like Ric Flair is like the physical embodiment of pro wrestling. Like, he he he's weird and twisted, and he does messed up things. But he's also awesome at the same time. Like you however that's to be possible.
1: The and read his book to be the man. Right. I mean,
2: right? So that and that you, stuff is that stuff is no surprise. Gross. Right? The exhibitionist stuff was known in the business for decades. We knew that when we worked there. In fact, the plain art from hell stuff—it was like a joke. People would laugh about it. You know. But like I said, it was worse I,
1: stuff in his book.
2: <laughs> I feel like there should be a way back, depending on what you do. Like, there's no way back for somebody like a Benoit. Let's say if he right. if he had if he had lived, even there's no way back from that. I don't think there's a way back for events. If there is, he'd have to live another 50 years, and he's not going to. So, like, I feel like yes, with someone like a Hulk Hogan, there could be a way back because, and there should be because, like what I say, if 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 he owns up to it because I've always said this and I'm not even talking about, you know, he said racist things, but even just beyond racist things, I feel like, and I'm not justifying it, but Hulk Hogan was secretly recorded without his knowledge. Right. And I say, I wonder how many people in the world today, and I'm not just talking about any, any objectionable comments. Could you imagine if somebody had a secret camera and recorder that recorded everything you said and did your entire adult life, I don't think there's a single human being on this planet that wouldn't be ruined if that was the case. So sometimes we have to use our we have to use our judgment, but there's got to be remorse. There's got to be like a chance to, like, you know,
0: redeem Let
2: let people get over it. Right. Especially with someone like that, because I also look at it from the point of view that I'm a historian of wrestling. Mm -hmm. So I write about the past. And I cannot sit here and be like, oh, I can't mention this guy. I can't mention that guy. I got to be able to write about history. Hulk Hogan's one of the longest reigning world champions of all time. Yep. He put the company on his back. The whole national expansion was on his back with no Hulk Hogan, no national expansion. It would not have worked. He was the catalyst. And we need to be able to say those things without people going, oh, so you're okay with the things that he said and did? You think Hulk Hogan? No, no. And see, that's
1: the line. It has
2: nothing to do with what he
1: said. It has nothing to do with that. We're talking about Hulk Hogan, the performer, what he did for professional wrestling. The stuff he did in his personal life, you know, that's a totally different topic. But we're talking about the historical references of professional wrestling you can't do it without saying his name it's going to be the same way with brock lesnar brock lesnar has a very special place in combat sports and we
2: mm. can't act like he does not and did not occupy that space you can't yeah. do it. there's also got to be degrees to it we mm. can't act like everything's the same like one thing that i had happen and i, I and i usually don't get into things online with people but Mm-hmm. People just saying the dumbest things like they're trying to compare what Vince did to what Jericho was alleged to have done, you know, and saying like, well, how come uh, why? You know, we everybody jumped on, uh, you know, every, everybody's jumping on Triple H for, you know, not handling this right at the press conference. How come no one was how come they went easy on Tony Khan? How come, uh, you know, for not addressing the Chris Jericho thing? And I'm like, look. Those two things are not even in the same universe like that's like comparing somebody who mugged somebody to like, you know, uh, uh, the son of Sam, you know, like there's two different there's levels. And people are trying to say, no, there isn't. It's still sexual misconduct. And I'm like, no, it's like there are levels of severity to wrongdoing and to accusations. That's why we have different penalties. Right. For different things. And they require different responses. Yes, there should have been a better response for both. But it's more imperative and important that you get in front of the Vince thing, which is like heinously horrific, like major jail time uh, potential for these things to something like Jericho, which is far less of a severe thing that he's being accused of doing. And if I get killed for saying that, I'm sorry, it's the truth. Well, and fact, I don't even sure.
1: I don't even know the specifics of the all- allegations against Jericho because honestly I didn't even want to know. So I didn't, so didn't want to hear about what happened with Vince. I just it just is everywhere, and I'm like, not another atrocity. Yeah. In, with Jericho, it's like the, it's sort not of like wrestling, but in life. I just didn't yeah. want to hear
2: it. With Jericho, it's like se- it's sexual harassment in the locker room, like yeah. sort of making some of the female talent uncomfortable, hitting on them trying to like proposition them. And there was even some talk that some of them may have been like kind of shunned or penalized for like not giving in to him. But still even that, I mean, it's not even in the same realm of what Vince is accused of doing. It's not even the same thing. And yes, both things need to be dealt with, but there's gotta be, we got to understand that there's differences here. I mean, it's just common sense. For
0: Mm -hmm. sure. Now you actually got a question on the table. Shout out to Tony tone. He says, Should WWE, TNA, AEW, um, should they do stronger background checks on talent? Now, I know they do some type of uh, background checks, don't they, when they give a guy a new contract?
2: You know, I don't even know about – you know, that's that's a really good question because that seems to never be brought up, an actual background check on the person's, uh, you know, life or – I'm I have to imagine that they probably do some things like to see if you've ever been convicted, almost like any job would do, like to to, if they find out you've been convicted of a crime or something. I don't know. But, you know, I've never really heard one way or the other. I'd be interested to know if they do background checks. And I feel like um, if anybody would, ironically, it would probably more likely be WWE because they seem to be the ones, especially in the last like in the post Benoit era. They really do seem to like have rules and regulations in place, at least on paper. So, you know, I I mean, maybe they do. Yeah, for sure. Gotta... That would be my question. My question would be, what's the extent of the background check? Right. Are you looking into,
1: you know, yeah. to find any allegations or, you know, circumstances that happened in their professional life? Or are you going to venture into the neighborhoods where they grew up and talk to neighbors and be like, hey, tell me about so and so, because there's different. <laughs> there's different avenues to go down if you try to figure out what somebody is like and just following a paper trail you're not always going to find something sometimes you got to go a different route so how extensive is the background check going to go i'm sure they did they've probably done some on some of these people they're like oh they're clean we don't see anything they don't have a criminal record or anything and that doesn't mean that they're not a terrible person
2: yeah um, you know, sometimes our background uh, checks
0: can't check check that mind state. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Yeah,
2: because, you know, the wrestling business, look, um, I think it's less now than before, because now you have a lot of people that I think are getting into it for more wholesome reasons. But in the past, that's like why a lot of people got in wrestling, because it was this messed up world where they knew they could get away with things. I mean, that is the truth. Like, you know, it attracted some unsavory people with unsavory mm -hmm. attitudes, views, behaviors who couldn't really fit in in society, who weren't really fit to do anything else. They were, you know, carnies, for lack of a better term. And they got into wrestling because they felt like, oh, wow, this is it's like Scott Hall once said to one of our writers on the staff. He said, if you never want to leave junior high school, this is the perfect business to get in. And he would know. And, you know, you get a lot a lot of guys that just they don't want to grow up. They don't want to have repercussions reper- for their actions. They want to be hidden away. And wrestling was always the perfect world because it's so far away from the mainstream eye. It was the perfect world for them to be sheltered in and do whatever messed up stuff they want to do. And the, the, the tradeoff would be uh, every night for like four or five nights a week, you'd have to get in the ring for 20 minutes and roll around. And then the rest of the time, you could do whatever the heck you wanted to do in your crazy carny life. Sean Walt know, Walt I'm glad that you that mentioned before. Scott
1: Hall. Yeah, he said that before. L- too. I'm glad
2: that you mentioned Scott Hall because I think that
1: Scott Hall, God rest his soul, left us with a lot of valuable dialogue that I think that people should study more. A lot of his interviews, he was very direct, and even if he wasn't being completely direct, what he was saying was a lot more than a lot of other guys have said about the business and about his place in the business and what it did to him. Yeah, And that, you know, that's something that's something to be, a, you know, evaluated or reevaluated to this day. Like you talking about the past and what people were like who got into professional wrestling. Scott Hall is a great example of someone who came into that environment, what he came from and what he came into and what he became going forward. It's just
2: I, I, I really enjoy
1: listening to him talk about his life.
2: You no, see how the no. business changes some of these guys. That's what I was gonna say. Like how yeah. they come in versus what how they wind up. Like somebody like the Iron Sheik is a great example. I mean, like he was the Iron Sheep was the, the most clean cut, respectable guy. You know, you see him when he was young. He was like a collegiate athlete. He he never smoked, he never drank, and all this. And then look at what happened to him. Look at what the yeah. business did to him. You know, um, even Kurt Angle. Kurt Ooh, Angle. I was about well, to say him, yeah. Bless him. One of the greatest of all time. But he came in and Kurt Angle was like as squeaky clean as you could be, you know? And then the business just kind of sucked him in and he wound up doing a lot of things. I know he regretted doing, there's a lot of guys like that. Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Yes. Another. Yeah, But, but Shawn Michaels was like a fan from the beginning, a wrestling fan. So he always had like that, that bug in him. Like, like he worshiped Ric Flair when he, when he was, when he was like a teenager. So, you know, like he, 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 he had that kind of wild side of his personality But there are people who just completely turned into different people because of the wrestling Mm -hmm. business. And once you realize what you could get away with, you know, yeah, that's it with Sean. Now, real quick,
0: guys, he found out what he could get away with. Yeah, you got another question on the table from Daryl Pace. (laughs) Shout out to my boy Daryl. No disrespect,
1: Sean.
0: (laughs) Going back to Brock Lesnar, he said, "With Brock, though, talking about eliminating him from everything, how would he even know that the girl was coerced? Um, She was of age." In question, what did he actually do legally wrong for him well, to be yeah. booted from everything?
2: That's why I look at it like, we, you know, it, it's a hasty thing to just immediately jump to to um, eliminate anybody that even has any whiff of wrongdoing on them. Like, we don't know all those details. We don't know what he knew. We also know that they never actually met. The one thing that that is the sticking point with Brock, <laughs> excuse me, and this also is where Vince gets into really hot water like when they talk about a sex trafficking charge. So the one thing with Brock was that it looks like Vince was making, um, the girl was like a reward to Brock for signing his new contract. That's what it was going to be. And that's when, when you get to the point where it's like, it's essentially money changing hands for sex and sexual favors in a, in a way it it really is. That's where you get into the trafficking. Cause I think like technically from a legal standpoint, excuse me for trafficking there needs to be money involved like somebody's making some kind of money off this so they could almost argue that he was pimping this woman out to a wrestler and we don't know like did was brock aware of that he very well may have been i mean i don't know i didn't i i don't know every detail but it may have been made clear to him like hey if you sign with us this is going to be your one of your rewards and if he knew that, then that's much much more shady than just like, hey, I have this girl, I'd like you to meet. You know what I mean? Like for that's sure, different. For sure.
0: Now, I would never try to uh, trash the young lady at all. I definitely feel bad for everybody involved. Um, for, if those things are true, what was said? I mean, it's horrible. But I do want to ask you this: Do mm-hmm. you think the fact that she had an MBA, took one million, and after the two million was not received? Then everything came back out with her. Do you think that um, makes the case uh, go away? Do you think that's
2: an issue? Well, first of all, how stupid is Vince to not? I I mean, what did he think was going to happen? And we also look at him like some people have even said this, like maybe Vince wasn't as smart of a businessman. as We all (laughs) thought he was. Maybe he was just really ruthless. And that's different from being smart because there's stories about him all through his career of welching on payments. Like, he did that to Stu Hart when he bought the Stampede Territory. He was just like, ah, I'm not going to pay anymore. Sorry. Like, he burned a lot of people, and I think he just has that attitude of, like, I'm going to pay for a little while until I get tired of it. Like, that was a really, really stupid thing to do. And I know that people always get caught up on, on the settlement thing and and the NDA and all that stuff and the hush money. The reality is, like, none of us know what we would do. In similar situations, and it doesn't take away from the severity of the crime, like like, for example, are there people, are there women who in her situation would have said to Vince from the very start, go to hell and I quit and I never want to look at this place again and I don't care what you do to me. Yeah, there are. But number one, he never would have approached somebody like that. I mean, that's how these manipulators work. If they see somebody that they know is going to stand up for themselves and, and has a strong A personality, they're going to leave that person alone. He's looking for a victim. You know, she was in a weakened state. She lost her parents, lost a house, bankrupt, had no job. To people like him, that's like blood in the water. Like, and look, the, the and this does not take away from somebody's victimhood. There are people who are able to be controlled, manipulated, who who, by a dominant personality like Vince, it doesn't mean that they're not deserving of sympathy. There's people like that, that, you know, all of a sudden everything snowballs. And then a few months in, you're like, well, how the hell did I even get into this? Like that happens. It just happens all the time. And I think it's wrong sometimes for people to make this judgment of like, well, that wouldn't have happened to me. I wouldn't have done that. that, That's great. Congratulations. Wonderful. But it doesn't take away from the wrongdoing. And it doesn't make that person any more uh sympathetic of a victim i think you know what what you said just made me think of tina turner may she rest in peace also
1: i've personally heard conversations about her relationship with Ike. women and people who did not know her personally would say especially after the movie came out about her life what's love got to do with it they would say in conversation he wouldn't have been smacking me around like Mm -hmm. that Maybe he would have, but that's not you. Right. That's not
2: you. And then you get in a situation like what happened with her. You know, first of all, you're terrified of repercussions. This is a powerful guy who is threatening you. I mean, there are threats in those texts. And so you think to yourself, um, you, you put yourself in the shoes of that person like, I'm not going to press charges. I don't want to go to court with this. I don't want my life to be ruined. I'm afraid of what this guy could do to me. So screw it. If he wants to pay me to keep my mouth shut, screw it. I'm going to take the money and try and turn lemons into lemonade here and try and move on with my life. I, you know, Fine, fine. again, it, it doesn't take away from the crimes that were committed. and And look, it's also you have to look at somebody who is probably now looking at, you know, Vince getting away with everything, coming back in the company again, making a billion do- billion dollar deal after billion dollar deal. And this guy is trying to get out of paying me. I mean, of course, they're all you know, I can understand how somebody would say, Oh, screw this guy. Like, I'm, you know, this is like <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell everybody now what happened, you know. And and on top of that, he stopped paying me. Like, I completely understand how something like that could happen. Absolutely.
0: For sure, for sure. Now you talked about it earlier in the show. WWE had that huge press conference, but it really was like a a, a fight field. It really wasn't a press conference like they used to do. You know that was a little different. And yeah. TKO got the rock now with the board. A lot of big things happened before it came back out. I mean, TKO stock went up like 17%, 18%. Then, of course, this happens again. And WrestleMania season is on right now. How does the D- WWE keep navigating around all these allegations? Like, how do they keep getting out of it, man?
2: Are you, are you asking, like, how do they how do they do it? Or like the fact that they are doing it because they're they're doing it.
0: How are they so good at this?
2: I mean, they're creating total chaos. That's the thing. It's like, and the question is whether are you enjoying the chaos or not? Like some people it's find it to be compelling. And, but with me, like I look at it and I'm like, I don't even know if they know what they're doing from day to day. Like this is like Mm. crazy. And then I think to myself, I would never want Vince to come back, but now I understand what happens when he's not there. There's no one that they're afraid of. There's nobody that everybody answers to. There's nobody who says this is the way it's going to be. And it feels like it definitely feels like there's like different factions behind the scenes that are fighting over this stuff. You could just feel it because there's no way they planned it like this. I mean, there's no way they said, here's what we're going to do on Friday night. Cody, you're going to give your title shot to The Rock. He's going to come out. You're going to give him your title shot. And then six days later, we're going to have this thing where you ask for your title shot back. Like, why would you plan it that way? You know, this is like that. This is some kind of damage control that they're doing. It's damage control creatively, but it's also damage control, like you're saying, to try to be like, hey, don't look at that. You know, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Like, (laughs) look at what's going on over here. Don't pay attention to that. Like, you know, Triple H tried to do that at the Royal Rumble press conference, which came off. So badly,
0: uh-huh. uh
2: huh. Uh, because it, it was like really fresh, it was stuff that was happening that day and the day before and the day before that. And he's sitting there going, Hey, we had a great week, everybody. Royal Rumble was great. Like, that was he got put in a bad spot there. There should have been some kind of statement. Yep. There should have been maybe Nick Khan out there or Ari Emanuel. Like, he was in a bad spot and he did not rise to the occasion at all. And at least to me,
1: he was uh, not so prepared was, to rise to the occasion. No. One of the things that they didn't do was. You said they, they should have prepared for it. You have mm-hmm. journalists of different degrees of experience that are going to be in that room. And somebody, especially who who maybe has been in the game for, you know, who did, who's done reporting. There's a difference between people who write features and articles and interviews and people who do reporting. You're going to have reporters in this room. Their job is to get the information. And why wouldn't someone ask those questions about what was happening? So what they should have done Since they understand how media work, considering this company has been around as long as it has, before Brian Saxton, during his introduction, he should have said something like, we are aware of the allegations. This is not something that we're going to address today. Period. Right. Over and done. Or even before they went live, someone should have said, look, everyone, we're aware of the allegations. This is something that we're not going to address at this forum tonight. Thank you. And moved on. And if somebody wanted to try to, you know, jump ahead of that like you know what, I'm gonna be the long, I'm gonna be the long wolf. I'm gonna jump out there and do it anyway. Then okay, if you want to try to embarrass us on camera, you know what, we're gonna pick, pick pick you up in front of everybody and say, okay, now you gotta go. And we're gonna usher you right out this room. And then again, as we stated before, this is not something that we're gonna address here right now. Something we are address at a later date. This is not the forum. Thank you, and move on. But you know, then they're making an example of somebody. Okay. We're not going to talk about this right now. It's not avoiding it, but it's setting the precedent. This is not what we're doing here right now. This is not what this event is for. We're here to talk about the Royal Rumble.
2: Yeah, yeah, because it's tough. I've been in those things, and I was at the uh, World's End one when Code, when Tony had the funny hat and glasses on, and he was talking about Jericho's situation. I was there, and mm-hmm. uh, it's tough. And I know you've been in them, and it's like you, mm-hmm. you – I feel like – you you have a responsibility to try to ask some harder questions if you can, but yes. with the understanding I've you're been probably there. not gonna get anything really meaty or valuable. Right. But you have but it's nice to be able to say you tried. That's the thing. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like when I was at that, everybody was buzzing about like, oh, should we ask about Jericho or who should ask? And and I was sitting right next to Kevin McIlvaney, who's the editor in chief of PWI. And he had a great question already formulated that he was going to ask. And he was going to tie it to like the whole environment in the locker room. And I was like, go ahead. You, you ask that question. And and I wound up asking something else, which I think still pissed off Tony Khan, because I basically and I to, and it was a wrestling related question. I asked him, like, could you ever see yourself stepping away from booking, like letting other people do it? You know, you've got Ring of Honor, you've got like Collision, all these shows and you've got this and that great and this. question. Like, you know, we hear you get people like Brian Danielson and um, Jerry Lynn and D Malenko who are helping you or giving you advice. Could you ever see yourself backing away and just being the boss? And he, I think, took it to mean like I was saying you suck at your job and you have to stop doing it. And he went into this whole diatribe about like all the examples of how he's been doing such a great job. And I think I annoyed him. But like, at least I felt like I asked a decent question. Yeah. Like, that's my that's only problem. episode. I feel like some people that they, they go in there and they're just like, hey, I'm just happy to be here. Like, and, and that's it. And and I don't know. I just can't relate to that. I guess maybe that's just some people's way of getting in there, but I can't relate to it.
0: A lot of guys are like that. Um, One of my mentors and a lot of people are upset with him right now is Nick Hosman of House of Wrestling. Um, Nick sometimes goes a little too far.
2: He, he, was goes actually, yes. he was the one
0: that actually. He was the one that, as you know, he was the one that asked uh, that question to Triple H to set the whole thing off. But yeah, I am. I, we were talking the other day. I inboxed him. He said, "Well, Whip, if you're a journalist, you do have to ask the questions that people want to know." You know, don't just go for the bubbly stuff all the time. But I said, Nick, I get that. But, Nick, you also got to be, like you just said earlier, you got to know that uh, balance as well. You
2: you can't delude yourself. Like, you got to understand still I'm out like a scripted press conference for a wrestling show. And it, this isn't like Woodward and Bernstein, like I'm going to blow the doors off the Watergate investigation right, or something. Right. Like you you have to also be realistic. Like I think a lot of fans who criticize people on the other side of it, who criticize yeah. the press that's in there, they're a little unrealistic about what you can ask or what you can actually, what you can constructively do. Um, it's, It's not the place or time. But like I said, you still have to try. Because sometimes people, I think, just make fools of themselves because they come across like, they're just there to kiss ass. Like, and you yeah. know what I mean? Like you don't have, you don't have to do that either. You know what I mean? Like you can act like you're there to do a job and be serious and not just there. Like you don't work for them. You don't have to be their public relations. Like there's a difference between the two things.
1: Hey, Brian, can you. I ask you a question?
2: Yeah, of course. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> may I, may I ask you this? Question? I
1: just asked you a question. Okay, So I'm going to ask you this. Um, was there ever time during your time in in WWE where you felt like you were treated unfairly or that you were disrespected?
2: Well, I'm going to just say very carefully that I don't think that there's anybody who ever worked there that would tell you that they were never treated unfairly or disrespected, at least if they're being honest, everybody comes across it at some point or another, um, usually later in your tenure than than sooner. It's like, you know, you start to feel the walls closing in and things. There were lots of times where I felt disrespected and treated unfairly. Lots of times, especially the higher up I came in the ranks and the closer I came to people in power. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into specifics of it, but absolutely, there were times, certainly. How did you deal with it? I dealt with it, I'll be very honest with you, in an unhealthy let me, way. Let me clarify. How yeah. did you deal with it off the clock? I dealt with it in an unhealthy way and i'm i can say that now cuz it's many years ago and i'm now almost 50 years old at the time i was like 30ish and um i really let it eat me up and i remember when i was there in my early years there i had this conscious idea in my head cuz i would see other guys you know who were like oh, fuck this place where i don't know what the language restrictions are on this well, show you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> okay And I would be like, I never want to be that guy. Like, I love working here. I I drive into work. I'm a lifelong fan. I'm driving off I-95. I see Titan Tower, giant WWE flag. I mean, I would literally start laughing as I pulled in to the parking lot, thinking, how lucky did I get to be here? Like, I can't believe it. I'm the luckiest smart mark on the planet. Like, I'm somehow working here on a day-to-day basis. And that changed And when that changed and it became more of a nightmare, I started to become that bitter guy. I started to become that guy who's like the office cancer, you know, Mm -hmm. who's like talking shit about people, complaining, the negative guy you don't want to be around at the happy hour, like that kind of thing. I started being that guy and I started acting out, you know, on the road or again, because it's that world where you can get away with anything, right? I started acting out in the office and just being like this malcontent and being also a wet blanket and just like shitting on other people's ideas. Because I was just so bitter for being treated unfairly and being feeling like I'd been passed over and seeing a lot of wrongdoing and hypocrisy that was being ignored and incompetence that was being ignored or rewarded. And what I wound up doing in the end is just giving them more and more rope to hang me with. They wanted me gone And I was giving them plenty of reasons to do it where any boss in their right mind would have been like, we can't keep this guy here now, you know, and I just I just made it made it worse for myself. I think if I knowing what I know now, if I had wanted to stay there, I probably would have learned a more kind of diplomatic way to approach it and and deal with it and try to survive. Or I would have just said, you know, I'm going to find another job which I also wasn't willing to do, you know, it was like this unhealthy thing where I wanted to stay there, but I hated it. You know? So, so yeah, I, I didn't deal with it in a healthy way. For mm.
0: sure. For sure. Thank yeah, you for sharing that. No, yeah, yeah, one more question. I'm going to tell you real quick. So let's say this settles for $20 million case closed. Can Vince deny wrongdoing and come back again? Seems that would be the best for Vince to pay, even if exonerated,
2: it won't be enough, but how does he come back if he can so there's two things about that. I don't know. First of all, with the actual charges themselves, I'm not like a legal expert. I only know what I read. I'm not sure if this is a situation because I read that they are seeking a jury trial. She and her lawyers are seeking a jury trial. So and and then you hear about like federal agents that are investigating this now, like the way they investigated the steroid thing. So I don't know from a legal standpoint if now this... This leaves the confines of civil cases and civil suits and things. And this becomes like criminal case, like United States versus Vince McMahon kind of thing. Like if that's the case, then, then it's out of his hands. Like I, you can't really settle in a situation like that. You can maybe have a plea bargain, but that becomes a whole different animal. I don't know enough about that if that's what it's going to become. As far as him coming back, this is a very different dynamic. He doesn't have the power and the leverage that he had even a year and a half ago. Um, for him to come back, he, in other words, he could not force his way back the way he did a year, a year ago and be like, I'm going to just elect myself to the board and fire everybody like he can't do that now. Like if they vote against him coming back, he just can't come back. So for him to come back now, he would have to be helped from inside. They would have to willingly want him to come back and allow him to come back. And I just don't think they want that. I think they want to be as far away from him as they can be. And I think if they had their way in 2022, Nick Khan, Paul Levesque, Stephanie McMahon, the whole board, if they had had their way, he would not have come back. They didn't want him back. They had no choice. And I think the difference now is the top execs there feel the same way, but they actually have the power to keep him out. So I don't think you're going to see him back ever. My last, my last
0: question here, moving forward, Um, Obviously, WWE, they've been able to, like I said earlier, keep navigating through all these things. WrestleMania season, they're going to make some big money. But obviously, Vince and, quote-unquote, Brock Lesnar weren't the only people involved. How do you think this long-term will affect WWE, TKO,
2: and even some of the other wrestlers that will probably come out sooner or later that had something to do with some of these uh, things and allegations? Yeah, you know, you have to wonder... I know we just saw this $5 billion Netflix thing happen. And you have to wonder at some point, right, do all these people who are not wrestling people, who don't know anything about the wrestling business and probably thought WWE was just like Disney or something or Marvel. It's like, oh, this is like when Disney bought Marvel. No, it's not. It's It's like buying the Gambino crime family. You know what I mean? And I don't think they realized what they were getting into. And they're probably willing to overlook stuff. There's a lot of money to be made if, you know, corporations do this. But you also have to wonder if there eventually comes a point now that it's owned by a giant corporate entity, if they don't go the route of what Time Warner did with WCW, and be like, why the hell do we need this on our networks? Why are we still propping up this liability? Let's kill it. And I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. I don't think it's happening tomorrow. I don't think it's happening next year, but it could be the kind of thing where over time, if the rewards aren't great enough and it's just catastrophe after catastrophe, after unthinkable crime that somebody in that company doesn't go like, you know what? We don't need this. We don't need this stress. Let's just lean into the UFC and we could buy some other stuff. Like let's ditch this. Um, Could happen. It could happen one day. For sure. For sure. Joe, you got anything else for him before we get out of here, man?
1: (laughs) I do, but we don't got no time.
0: Oh no. <laughs> you still sure, you sure you don't want to okay, man. I mean, if you want to drop one, you know, one or two more, go no. right can, in.
1: Can we can we reserve the privilege of us three talking again?
0: Of course.
1: Sounds
2: Anytime. Good. Sounds Anytime. good.
0: Definitely a part two will be needed, man. Well, Brian, thank you for I your think time. we need it. <laughs> part two, three, four, five, a whole series. <laughs> we'll do a series, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian, thank you for your time. And once again, let them know where they can get a hold of you and what else you got going on with your books and things like that.
2: Sure. So there's a couple of things. I, I write for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I write for Inside the Ropes magazine. You could find my columns and articles in there. My podcast is Shut Up and Wrestle. It's suawpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. It's a wrestling history podcast, if that's your thing. And I'm also the news director for... The Wrestling News from Arcadian Vanguard. So that's how I know about all this crap. We cover it every single morning. It's very no-nonsense, no opinions, just straight-ahead news, thewrestlingnews.com. I mentioned the books at the top, Blood and Fire and the Superheroes book, but I'm also working on my next book now, which is Irresistible Force, The Life and Times of Gorilla Monsoon. And I'm about a third of the way through writing it. I expect it to be done within the year. Super excited about it.
0: Nice. You guys heard that. Make sure you pick up those books, read his columns, and make sure you listen to his podcast because Dave LaGreca keeps trashing everybody about having a number one podcast. So we got to catch Dave LaGreca. Somebody does. Just say it.
2: <laughs> I had Dave on. He was a great guest.
0: Yeah, Dave's awesome. Yeah. I'm talking <laughs> <I'm> to
1: <talking>, <laughs> We need to throw this out there. I have to. So I can't let this man leave the screen without me throwing this up in the air, dude. I would love to write at least one piece for Inside the Books. Guide. Me. Oh, great. Brian, song. guide. Me. How can I make I, this?
2: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wish I had a way to open a door or something. I mean, I know that I I, I don't think they're taking that many new submissions. Like, I know that um they had a – there are even people that I knew that used to write for them that don't because there's just not as much – Work to go around. I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful that they are always willing to dump a 6000 word story in my lap that, that <laughs> takes me like weeks to write. I'm not going to complain. I love doing it. Your but tenured. I don't really. Yeah, I think I'm just in I'm in the inner circle. They like me. They like what I do. I wish I knew. I would. You're putting me on the spot on a live show. I don't know how to.
1: You you were put on the spot the second you popped up on this screen. We all on the spot.
2: You got to you got to reach out to Kenny McIntosh. He's the man inside the ropes. That's all I know. Sorry, Kenny. (laughs) That's
0: what's up, man. Well, thank you for your time, Joe. Tell them where they can get a hold of you at.
2: Uh,
1: you can find me everywhere at Mr. Joe Walker. Make sure you check out thisent.com and enjoy every episode of this podcast read watch listen all things entertainment
0: yes yes and you know what to do keep following us like us make sure you check out my boy naji nxt with naji check out the upcoming championship material podcast with mr joe walker the word heavyweight champion right here on the wrestling heroes and insiders podcast network i am whip dog and i will see you next time y'all take care